Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Groot Nibblink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos, originator of the Zero G Draft Strategy. And in this podcast, Blake and I are going to talk about the biggest hot shots and have nots of the last couple of weeks. Let's get it. And of course, I have your friend and my best friend, Blake Creamer, here with me. Blake, how are we feeling tonight? Yeah, I feel good. You know what I'd like, though, Nate? I'd like a little more enthusiasm. Maybe next show with the best friend bit. I feel like it's getting a little stale, all right? Okay. I, I need you to refocus, recalibrate. I don't know. I'm Now I'm just, yeah, right off the bat, I'm just at you, Nate. I'm sorry about this. You know why? Because I'm in a great mood. I feel like Sundays are quickly becoming my, my favorite day. Like, I love, uh, first off, like, I love doing this podcast, but then... Um, Sundays are the night where my wife basically just takes the kids and I get to go downstairs at like five 30 for the night. So nice. like, I don't have anything to worry about. So I love Sundays, even though Monday's coming. Oh my God, but that's <laughs> good, man. Uh, matchups are going good. I'm going to lose my couple matchup this week, which really sucks. But I mean, it was, I was decimated with injuries, but I'm crushing all, all the other ones. So that's kind of nice. How are you doing? How's, uh, how's your matchups going here? Uh, my matchups were going better, and now they've started to trend worse. Still got some in the balance here with the games tonight still ongoing, so I guess we'll find out. But uh, yeah, had some bad run out over the last couple of days. Thought I was going to be sitting pretty, but now I'm down to the wire. Uh, couple is still going good for me, though. I'm nice. going to stay in third there. I don't think I'm going to hop a level there, but stay in third at least and continue to try to scratch for that buy and try to make it up to tier one with some of our listeners shout out nimmer who's in tier one couple oh yeah big nimmer well done son i was talking to him the other day actually about it and he's started hot but has been tailing off with some injuries and is trying to just <laughs> tread water and make it to playoffs and keep his spot there but i'm hoping to join him next year so hopefully we can make that happen gotta represent absolutely all right blake you ready for some newsies I can't wait, buddy. Let's go. Well, I could have waited, to be honest with you, because yeah. I found out that Nick Schmaltz not only missed Saturday's game, but now apparently he's missing Monday's game as well after he was labeled, quote, hour to hour on Saturday. So I don't know what's going on. But yeah, apparently my uh, streamer pick's already in the garbage with that one. He's going to have to come back and ball out for me to really take home a W there. But <laughs> such is life. So watch. Yeah, who knows? Beyond Monday, like... Maybe he'll just miss the whole week. Who knows at this point. But Nick Schmaltz missing Monday at least. Uh, Andrei Svechkov was out today in the 5-2 loss to Minnesota. I didn't see really a better update than that uh, as to any kind of severity or anything like that. But uh, did come out for today's game out of the lineup. So we'll have to monitor that one. Alexander Barkov is also not going to play Monday. It's a one-game road trip to Nashville, so he's just going to stay back for the one game. It sounds like they're targeting their next game uh, there for Florida for him to return. Uh, Patrick Kane is apparently meeting a doctor today here on Sunday, and we'll hopefully have a new update on Monday. So hopefully we'll get some sort of idea of a timeline there for Patrick Kane. And then Owen Tippett was injured Saturday, didn't practice uh, today, but he was skating before Philadelphia's game. Uh, so it sounds like at least he avoided serious injury. We'll have to monitor some reports there to see exactly how long he might continue to be out for. Mark Scheifele is not going to play Monday against Boston. His day-to-day -day sounds like they're going to uh, try for the next game. I believe it's against the Leafs, if I remember correctly. Um, I can scroll through for that. Yeah, Wednesday against the Leafs would be the next opportunity, and it sounds like they're going to try for that one there. So similar to Barkov there. Alex Kalorn has, is uh, undergoing surgery and will be out four to six weeks. So unfortunately, we lose one of our favorite Anaheim streamers uh, in Alex Kalorn for all their sweet off-night weeks. Uh, yeah, he was actually playing pretty well too, which is kind of a bummer. But apparently the Ducks don't need him because they're up 2 nothing on the Rangers right now after one. So 
Apparently, they're just fine. Arturi Lekkinen looks like he's likely to play. The Avs don't play till Wednesday this week. Uh, if you listen to the waiver wire episode, you know that they only have a couple games this week, so they don't play till Wednesday, but it looks like Lekkinen is likely to play in that one. They sent down uh, the player that was holding his roster spot, basically. Uh, sent him down to the AHL, so it looks like they're planning for him to be into the lineup. And we'll see where he slots in we'll probably get a good idea actually with all the practices that the abs will have between now and then we'll have a good idea of where he's going to slot in uh, power play wise lines wise yep. so we will get a good opportunity to see that uh zach Wierenski, patrick line practicing but not in line rushes so it doesn't seem like their return is imminent there but it's definitely a good sign so obviously another situation where you just have to wait and see um but yeah at least they're trending in the right direction i know you've been waiting for zach Wierenski in a lot of spots Blake, and so have i so well hopefully get him back and hopefully that actually means something for the otherwise listless blue jackets uh jeff skinner practicing in full looks likely to return there so that would obviously be really good for buffalo they got a tuesday wednesday back to back to start off their week this week so hopefully he's good to go for that and then lastly vince dunn skating uh, but not practicing with the team yet he's missing this game uh, against the leafs here that just started oh the leafs got a goal anything good austin matthews that works for me there you go that's uh, gonna help me out. In my I was waiting. I was waiting to tell you. I was all excited. Oh, uh, all right. Sorry to uh, take away your your. Uh, you stole my shine. You ate my sandwich. Oh, God, I was taking <laughs> it to my mouth. You just slapped it right out. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've got for newsies. Anything sticking out there, Blake? Anything uh, that's really uh, something that you've been following that you're waiting on? Um, yeah, just the lekin in stuff. I want to see where he lines up because that's going to make yeah. a big difference. And also, I did want to mention really quick, uh, because I have this player somewhere, Devin Levi. He was sent down to the AHL, and now he's been called back up. And Eric, uh, a.k.a. Mike Comrie, is sent down. So I don't know what they're doing there in Buffalo. Like, UPL is, is obviously your goalie of choice for now, but I don't know what they're doing. It's really weird. I've got Devin Levi in a spot, and I, you know I just didn't get around to dropping him, and now he's back. So it's like... Okay, so anyways, keep an eye on the goalie situation there in Buffalo. Um, I don't know. Where, like, what do you think they're going to do there, Nate? Uh, yeah, I think what they should do is send Devin Levi down and let him develop yeah, and let him play. just roll UPL as long as he's hot and fill in Eric Comrie where you absolutely have to. Uh, that's what I would do at the moment anyway. Um, but yeah, what they're actually going to do, uh, yeah. I feel like I have no idea because it doesn't feel like they've really done the best thing for Devin Levi at any point throughout this season. So um, yeah, your guess is as good as mine, to be quite honest with you. All right. We got to get into some hot shots. So one guy who you might think would benefit from Arturi Lekkonen's return, but uh, seems pretty capable of carrying things on his own. We got to give a shout out, some props to Nathan McKinnon. Four goals, 10 points in his last five games. We usually, at the top here, we talk about one of these superstars. We don't want to just go through the list of all the superstars who are performing well at any given uh, week. But we got to shout out McKinnon when he's doing stuff like this. Two points per game here. Just absolutely crazy stuff. Over 24 minutes a night he's averaging through these five games. Only 42nd in shots per 60, which is actually pretty low for McKinnon. He's usually right up there at the top. 17th in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60, which is insane considering the amount of minutes that he's on for. So he's yeah. absolutely out there generating all the time. On pace now for a 46-goal, 134-point season Ooh, is Nathan McKinnon. Absolutely elite stuff. And I mean, like, on the season, 70% IPP, 12.2% shooting percentage 14.3 percent on ice shooting percentage so maybe the on ice shooting percentage is a little high but he has room to grow in the ipp honestly in my yeah, opinion weird. like this is insanity he's skating 23 minutes a night on the season which is what's really uh, driving a lot of this right not a lot of players get up to that 23 minute mark for forwards so he's getting all the opportunity and absolutely playing like the elite superstar that he is i don't know if you got more to say on mckinnon here but at least it has to get you excited about the pieces around him anybody who gets any exposure to mckinnon you got to be all over for fantasy purposes yeah i love it we normally don't get a chance to talk about players like this like have we ever talked about Connor mcdavid 
You know what I mean? Like we, we don't, this is not something we talk about, but I love it. This big Mac attack, he's going nuts. So yeah, it, like you said, it's that deployment. That's really uh, like elevating him to another level, right? Like, and his performance on the power play, like he's got 29 power play points in 47 games. He had 34 all of last year in 71. So this man is incendiary. He's on fire. All right. Shout out to NBA jam. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Like you said, I, I think there is a weird little bit of headroom there, especially at five uh, or no, I'm here at all strengths, but yeah, shots on goal per 60 down almost two shots on goal per 60 from last year. Right. And his scoring chances are down too, but that's being propped up by the crazy deployment. Right. So he could do more. It's insane. And, you know, I've told the story before, but you know, I'll tell it again. It's been a little while. I, I you know, one season I, I, you know, after I had won like a money point league that I was in, I, you know, I got first pick the next year. And I was just excited. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get cute. I'm going to take Nathan McKinnon over Connor McDavid. Book it, <laughs> buddy. This guy, this guy got injured. He was injured for a third of the season. And then McDavid, that was the first season where he just, just went nuclear. And uh, yeah, I lost the pool by like five fantasy points. What the? Oh God. So, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll never take Nathan McKinnon again first, even if he's the clear best player in the NHL, which he appears to be right now. He's your scoring leader, folks. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just really have to give props to McKinnon what he's been able to do. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw the uh, skating burst thing. Like a lot of the NHL edge data has been yeah. pretty underwhelming in my opinion. Like not a lot of relevance for anything we're talking about, but there was, uh, I think it was number of times that a player reached 20 miles per hour or more. Uh, well on the ice and McKinnon has like 300 and something instances yeah. and the next highest player was like a hundred back of him <laughs> like that's it's wild. insane how that fast is a fun... the guy's going consistently out there that's so true that is a fun stat there I also like this the slap shots like um you know I just saw this is off topic but I think it was Colin Miller like popped a 103 mile an hour slap shot or something as like the highest recorded slap shot in a game. That's pretty sick. Actually, those are fun stats, but I don't know that it means anything. I do note as well, though, that I think Owen Tippett had the highest recorded speed at like 24 or something like that. So shout out to Owen Tippett. Get well soon, my man. Absolutely. Well, we better keep moving because apparently we got to talk about Sean Monahan, who has seven oh, yeah. points, all assists in his last five games here. Kind of doing what he has been doing, averaging 18 and a half minutes per game, playing on the top power play, obviously the second line there, now on pace for 20 goals, 55 points. It's just kind of been a streamer. I picked him up and dropped him uh, several times across several leagues this year, and he's actually been pretty solid for me. I like the underlying stats here, nothing to write home about, 235th in shots per 60, 161st in individual scoring chances for per 60 over his last five. On ice stats, not really any different, 197th in Corsi for per 60, 130th in scoring chances for per 60 but i mean monahan is a solid streamer in my opinion there's been a lot of talk about him specifically getting traded at the trade deadline because obviously the canadians are not really going anywhere with this season uh, at the moment and monahan would actually probably be of some value to another team do you think that improves or kind of decreases monahan's fantasy potential if he does get moved i think it would decrease it for sure um, like he's landed in a plum spot here on Montreal, top line, top power play. They have no one else. They, they have to get him out there and he's rewarding them as well. Like it's like you said, his numbers are definitely underwhelming. Like on the season at five on five. Yeah. Like his shots and goal per 60 is 5.68. That's, that's almost two shots down from last year. His scoring chances are down, but his on ice shooting percentage way up that equals a sell high in my books, but he's doing the thing right. And he's out there and it, and it's, yeah, I think. If he did get traded, it would be a supplementary piece. It would probably be like, you know, Matt Duchesne to the to the stars or something like that. Or maybe that's not even a good example. That might be even more than what Sean Monaghan might be able to accomplish on another team. He would just be like a supplementary piece that's if someone gets injured, he could pop up the lineup, right? But for now, I mean, nice little pace, 55 points. Like people forget Sean Monaghan was an impact player for Calgary. Right. Yep. And he's not even very old. He's 29. Like, obviously, he's got a lot of miles on that bod. Right. Um, lots of injuries, big injuries. But I'm happy for the man. And I think it's a great situation for him in Montreal. And I think he could really help somebody, you know, for their cup run. So, you know, I, I streamed him in uh, for the, our experts league. Buddy, he's taking me over the top. Sean Monahan, <laughs> thank you for your service. 
All right, let's keep rolling. TJ Oshie, he's got five goals, six points in his last five games here, averaging 60 and a half minutes time on ice. So honestly, nothing to really write home about there. But the underlying stats are actually pretty terrific with Oshie at the moment. 24th in shots per 60, 9th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 73rd in Corsi, 4 per 60, but 26th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Running a new line there with Pacioretty and Dylan Strom, and those have guys have found instant chemistry. There's been multiple interviews of them all talking about how natural it's felt right away, and seems to be like the kind of de facto new number one line away from Ovechkin, which is something that I never thought I'd say yeah. in my lifetime. The way that Ovechkin's been rolling the past 15 years, but uh, yeah, Oshi at the moment is extremely hot. I'm wondering how sustainable you think this is if we take a look rest of season. Like, obviously, you want to roster guys who are this hot and who are playing this well, but do you think that there's a chance that Oshie can sustain this for the rest of the season? Maybe not, you know, six points every five games, but can he be a guy that we're rostering consistently in 12-team leagues? Um, I guess the short answer is yes. I mean, he's a streamer. At this point, he's a streamer. I don't think he's a he's a hold by any means. And I don't think this is exactly real. Like these underlying metrics here, like ninth overall in individual scoring chances, four per 60. No. All right. That's not the type of player that Oshi is at this point in his career, but he's a very valuable player, right? And uh um I, I love, you know, when those comments do come out about lines having chemistry, like I take notice of stuff like that. Like that's, you know, from the players' mouths, right? They feel good out there. And if they feel good, they're gonna do good. All right, that's good analysis. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, this guy's power play one. Um, and, and like you said, his line's doing well. So I, I definitely ride, ride till the wheels fall off. Right. And I, I think this is a player you probably pick up, you drop, you pick up, you drop, but, um, right now he's hot and he's shooting a ton, which I love. And yeah, those scoring chances, that's excellent. But you know, he's shooting 30% over the last five games, 86% IPP. Yeah. Those are all going to regress. And on the season, he's on a 30 point pace. So I feel like it's probably, this is like a 40 to 45 point player in my opinion. Yeah. It's interesting. The last couple of years, he's actually kind of rediscovered his game. It looks like in a little bit, or maybe he's just focusing more on offense, whatever the case may be, he's up to his shots rate. So he's hovered around eight shots per 60. If you look kind of like at an average of the last two years, uh, but up around like an 11 individual scoring chances for per 60 over the past couple of years here, including this year and last year. So that's obviously a really good number. We talk about any player being over 10 individual scoring chances for per 60 as kind of like a benchmark number that we like to see players hit to really sit up and take notice. So he's definitely clearing that with room to spare. And then the on ice numbers are actually better this year than almost at any point in his career. So that part's nice. It's really just been the on ice shooting percentage that's held him down. Uh, and his individual shooting percentage typically he's been like a 15 plus percent shooter over much of the last five six seven years and this year he's shooting just 11.7 percent and then the on ice number at 7.4 percent if those two tick back up then yeah i think realistically you could be talking about a guy who paces at a 30 60 level for the rest of the oh, season wow. if he like if he continues at this level, which is always the catch. And Oshi is a guy who's struggled to stay healthy and he's getting up there in years. So that's probably not getting any easier for him. So you can take that into account if you want to, but I think like you picked him up for free, right? Like you're free rolling basically at this point. Right. So you just ride with Oshi until it starts to go away and you see what you got. I think that's a perfectly fair strategy. Uh, for a guy like Oshi this week, you get the Tuesday, Wednesday back to back early in the week, and you can probably make a decision on Oshi after that if you want to keep him through the Saturday. That's where it gets tough. They don't play again till the Saturday, and then the Saturday's the heavy night, so you might have might not have room for or for Oshi that week. And then you're looking into the next week. Like, am I really going to keep Oshi around through a Saturday where he's not playing, and then the following week they don't play at all because they're going into the All Star break. So. That's uh, that's kind of the tough part with Oshi, I guess, is if you're using that spot and, and trying to stream effectively throughout the back end of the week, it's going to be hard to keep him past Wednesday. But maybe he'll score a couple more goals in each of those games and you'll just be forced to keep him on your team. But so far, playing well, and I'm reasonably optimistic about the player right now. Another player that I'm reasonably optimistic about is Charlie Coyle. Two goals, six points in his last five, averaging 19 minutes a night. 103rd in shots per 60, 97th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. The on-ice number, 37th 
in scoring chances four per 60 is what has me the most interested playing between Marshawn and Pasternak and also all that uh, is on the top power play with those two as well so that's the part that's obviously the most interesting is all that exposure to their top players there and he's been good this season there's no two ways about it on a 29 goal 66 point pace now on the season the underlying numbers on the season don't look that good, but as he's played with better players, his numbers have come up, and that's what you want to see, obviously. I don't think Charlie Coyle is some like elite player who's just been hidden throughout his whole career, but yeah. he's shown that he can play up with these guys and hold his own at the very least, and that's a valuable skill. Uh, it seems like Zaka has not necessarily been able to do that, or at least not in the eyes of his coach, and so that's given Coyle this opportunity, and at the moment, he's running with it, and so I'm kind of in on Charlie Coyle. I don't know that the 66 point pace is necessarily sustainable for the rest of the season, but I'm willing to stick around and find out at least until the wheels fall off there a little bit. Similar to Oshi in that way, I guess, but I feel like Coyle, you're just going to see it as soon as he's off that deployment, I'm off of Coyle. As long as he has it, I'm with Coyle. So I feel like he's a little bit open and shut for me in that regard. How are you feeling, Blake? Hell yes, the coiler. He's filling the bowl. Oh, buddy. Nice freaking work. Um, yeah, I, I echo all that. I think, um, especially this week, Charlie Coyle, like they have, he has three games in the first four nights. And with all reasonable, you know, schedule stuff, like the, the nights aren't busy. So, you know, you can, if Charlie Coyle is on your waiver wire, grab him, and then you can decide what you want to do with him after Thursday. But like you said, it's all about the deployment here. This is a great opportunity. And yeah, that's why this season is so different for Charlie Coyle, though. He's never had this kind of offensive opportunity, right? So it makes sense that he's pacing for a much higher point pace than he ever has, right? Because he's playing with much better players and he's playing on the power play, right? He's playing on power play one now and he's getting a bunch of deployments. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the Coiler, but you know, this is not a guy that I'm like, you got to hold him all, all season or, you know, for rest of the season, right? Um, if, if he has this deployment all season, maybe. Right. Maybe you have him there, but he's also good in, in uh, bangers cats, right? This guy's got 50 hits already in 45 games. Nice. All right. That's very good. And 32 blocks too. Oh, buddy. Charlie calls your, he's your beefer there for the Boston Bruins. I like that. But um, yeah, it's just a player that's kind of low key and it, you need these type of players on your team, right? Just consistently producing. And he's got a really solid floor as long as he gets that deployment. Couldn't agree more. Let's keep rolling. We got to talk about Ross Colton. You know I was going to bring him up the first chance that I got, and he's got two goals and six points in his last five, enjoying his top power play usage at the moment in Colorado, averaging 17 and a half minutes a night through this stretch, sixth in individual scoring chances, four oh, for 60 yeah. in this stretch. You absolutely love to see it. 13th in Corsi, four per 60, 11th in scoring chances, four per 60, definitely benefiting from some of that McKinnon magic on the season. Now he's pacing for 18 goals, 42 points, despite skating less than 14 minutes on average on the season. I'm just praying that they're starting to realize what they have in this guy and that they're going to continue to use him. Uh, yeah. Lekkonen coming back though, right? Uh, who do you think Blake Druen or Colton who stays on the top power play here? I mean, if there was any justice in the world, it would be Ross Cameo Colton. All right. A word up. You ever heard that song uh, by Cameo? You know, word up. Anyways, it's no. from the 80s. I know you were just barely born, um, Nate. So I was fine. But Google yeah. it, son. You weren't born in the 80s? Oh, God. Right. Oh, <laughs> no. That's fine. All right. Ross Cameo Colton. That's what. That's where we're going. All right. This man doesn't answer a damn email. But he sure knows his way around a hockey rink, am I right? Sheesh. So yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. I think I think it's gonna be Colton bumped, right? That's that seems like what they would do. Like they have a chance to play Colton a bunch right now, but they're playing Drew on a bunch. So I think they're probably gonna continue with that. I do think that Drew and and um, Colton are gonna be affected with Lekkonen coming back, and I'm not sure that Drew holds his spot there on the top line either. So that's you know he might, but that's just something I'm watching. But yeah. I really hope, like we had a uh, part earlier in the season too, where Colton was getting power play one, he was getting 20 minute deployment and he wasn't exactly lighting it up at that time, but I feel like he's doing a lot better now. Um, you know, three assists the other night. Damn. I love that. I was there for to have him in three spots. So yeah, it's exactly what you said. Will they ever realize what they have in this guy? Like this guy is an efficient player. He's in a, he's a, um, the scoring chances are crazy. Right. And with, with the right type of deployment, like that, that's what you want. So, and he's a beefer, he hits. So I'm a big fan of Ross Colton, but yeah, I think with Lekkonen back, his value is going to kind of 
fall off a little bit here. Maybe not crazy, but hopefully he doesn't go back to like the 12 minute type of deployment that he was getting before. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always going to be happy to roster rules, Ross Colton, whenever he's getting a look like this, I will say like on the season, it looks like most of his stuff is pretty much in line with where it has been before. I even think like relative to his historical numbers that he could see a bump in IPP. I uh, could see a bump in shooting percentage. He's shooting a little less this season than he has in years past, but he's also playing a lot more center this year than he has uh, for the Tampa Bay in the past. So that might be changing things, but he's also uh, getting more individual scoring chances for this year. He's doing that at a higher rate than he has before and his on ice numbers, as you might expect, um, getting some exposure, at least on top power play and things like that. His on ice numbers have gone up pretty significantly this year. So that's good for Ross Colton. All things told, yeah, it's really just dependent on deployment there once again. Obviously, when he's skating 13 minutes a night, it's pretty hard to hang on to him. But when he's getting 17 and a half and power play one exposure to a guy like Nathan McKinnon, all about it. Let's keep rolling. I want to talk about a couple of defensemen here. So we got a Colton teammate here in Samuel Gerrard, who's got five assists in his last five games. And we've also got Nick Perbix who has a goal and five assists for six points in his last five games. Um, So Perbix, I don't believe, had any points in the game that just finished here, um, but my stats are from just before that. Either way, are you interested in either of these guys in any sort of standard format? What do we do with defense, random defenseman point streaks like this, Blake? Are you just throwing it out the window, or are you digging in when stuff like this happens, trying to figure out if there's more to it? Yeah, I think you have to, right? And I don't know if this is your experience too, Nate, but I always find that streaming in defensemen is a lot easier than streaming in forwards. So I find myself streaming in a lot of defensemen because I can actually get the games played in. Whereas if I stream in a forward, even though they're much better than the defensemen, they have a better chance at more points. It's like they, I can't get them in all the time. So, you know, Nick Perbix is a good example of that. Like he had a little hot streak, but that's over now. All right. This guy just played 16 minutes in the game against Detroit. Like, I'm not interested in one bit. I didn't even know who this man was. Um, I, I know who Nick Perbix is, but, you know, he's he's like a second to third pairing, right? And zero power play time, lots of time shorthanded. Like, he just, you know, he had a nice little stretch there, and now it's over. So thank you for your service, Nick Perbix. Uh, you know, but Sam Girard is a little bit more interesting to me, obviously, because of, um, you know, he, he gets a little bit of time on the power play, right? They, you know, when Bowen Byram is healthy, they do that three defensemen setup on power play too, which is decent, right? But um, yeah, his deployment's a lot more secure than Nick Perbix. So I would definitely maybe take a look at Sam Gerrard. But again, this this week with Col- um, Colorado, they only have the two games, right? It's the it's the Wednesday, Friday. So, I mean, you could stream in Sam Gerrard for those two games because they're, you know, quote unquote, late nights. But I don't know. But, you know, long story short, yes, I, I like to stream in defensemen because I find I can get their games in a lot easier than forwards. And I try and do the math in my head. So four games of Sam Gerrard or two games of, you know, whoever. Right. And then I, I sort of extrapolate what I think. And then I usually end up going with the defenseman because it's going to equal more points. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that process. I will say, like, I'm not into Nick Perbix, the underlying stats kind of agree he's never been this guy he's kind of just getting a little bit more deployment of late and good on him uh, but I'm pretty wary of that continuing long term Sam Gerrard is a guy like I'll be interested when he's getting more deployment when one of the other kind of three top defensemen there in Colorado Makar Taves or Byram are injured then Gerrard tends to get a few more minutes and becomes more viable for fantasy purposes he does often actually go on these streaks like on the season he's on pace for 35 points that's not bad and then you might expect that he gets up to like a 45 ish point pace when somebody else is out of the lineup and he's getting more minutes so i'm into that i'm kind of just always watching for that and if i do need that defenseman streamer then i do think sam gerard makes some sense especially in a points league setup moving over to philadelphia and i don't Apparently, we got to talk about Morgan Frost, six points, all assists in his last five games. And Joel Farabee, who's now got three goals, seven points in his last five games after a goal, two assists, seven shots in today's three, uh, 5-3 loss to Ottawa. So Joel Farabee uh, doing the thing at the moment. 
Do you have any interest in these guys? Do we have any confidence in uh, the torts deployment of these guys over in Philadelphia? Obviously, tip it out at the moment. Is that maybe changing some things and this just goes away as soon as it was here? What do you think about either of these guys, Blake, and what should we be doing with them? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I put Joel Farabee on my sell high show, um, I think like a month ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't remember, but he's making me look like a dingus. Like, you know, I might be wrong on this guy, but honestly, under the hood, like, you know, besides these last five games, because now you look at these last five games, it's like, okay, it's crazy. And I know you'll go into that, but on the season, this is just kind of your standard mid player, right? Um, and, you know, with the torts factor, like, you don't know what you're getting. But yeah, this game here where he got three points, he played 22 and a half minutes. So Joel Farabee, 22 and a half minutes, 86% power play share in the game. Like, yeah, that's must roster stuff right there, Joel Farabee. So um, that said, yeah, I mean, I think that could go away quickly. Like three games ago, he played 15 minutes and the game before that he played 14 minutes. So it's, there's a, there's some built-in risk there with Joel Farabee, but while he's going like this, yeah, you got to have him and I don't know, maybe he's a rest of season hold if if some of this deployment carries on, right? But with again, Owen Tippett was out this game, so maybe that was a big thing there. And then Morgan Frost, the tinkly winkly man. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> this to me is more just a streamer, right? His his uh, deployment is all over the shop, right? It's not even to the level of Joel Farabee. So yeah, it's it's he's a streamer that you would pick up when Philly has a good schedule. But in terms of uh, just a player that I'm interested in, no. I don't think so. Like he's on a 46 point pace on the season. Metrics are, you know, pretty bad actually. So it's just not a player I'm interested in unless I know for sure that Torts is prioritizing him. Yeah, it was kind of a weird game with Tip It Out. They kind of did some weird things, like they ran an Igor Zamula and Cam York on the top power play setup. Why not? Uh, with Tip It Out, and then obviously that had a cascading effect through the 5v5 lines. But then, like, Frost, Atkinson, Farabee has been a line. And obviously, I think I think Frost is the main beneficiary of the other two. Atkinson is, like, the... Yeah. The chucker of the group, I guess you would say. Lots of shots. Yeah. And uh, Fairby has been following suit. 21st in shots per 60 over this five-game stretch. Uh, all of these guys have good underlying numbers the last little bit. And honestly, like, Corsi 4 per 60, Frost at 14th. Uh, Fairby at 11th, Frost at 21st in scoring chances, 4 per 60, and Fairby at 13th. Like, they've been doing the thing over the last little bit for sure. I do kind of view Frost as the passenger in this situation. Atkinson is definitely a play driver, has shown that throughout his career. And Faraby, I mean, on the season now, 30 goals, 68-point pace, averaging just under 16 minutes a night. The underlying stats on the season don't look terrific. He's got an IPP up at 87%. That's unlikely to sustain. A shooting percentage, 15.5%. You might expect that to come back down a little bit. On a shooting percentage, is probably okay at 104 Overall, I think Farabee's probably running a little bit hot right now, but if he's starting to figure things out, this is a player that has always been a little bit enigmatic and people have expected more of him and he's never quite delivered on that. Um, so I want to leave some room for the possibility that Joel Farabee could be figuring a few things out just a little bit later than everybody hoped. But overall, like I'm not... I'm not actively thinking of him as a rest of season hold, especially with uh, what we know is Torts penchant for moving things around. It does seem like at the moment, while he's hot, he's got a pretty solidified role on that line and on the top power play unit. So that part is nice. I'm definitely happy to have him at the immediate moment, but I am still watching pretty closely. He's not approached a level where it's like set and forget with Joel Farabee yet. All right, we will move on to have knots, but before we do, I do need to take a second to make sure that everybody listening has clicked the link in the show description to join the Apples and Genos Discord server. We've got over a thousand people in there already talking fantasy hockey every day and every night of the week. Get in there. There's game discussion channel. You can talk about the games you're watching. You can ask people questions about games they might be watching and see if they might know something about the players you're considering or the players you're rostering and see 
what's up. There's lots of great things you can do in the Apples and Geos Discord server, and it's completely free to join. If you want something a little bit more than that, then you can check out the Apples and Geos Patreon, where five bucks a month gets you unlimited access to myself. You can ask me any question, and I guarantee an answer all the time. And if you need a team review, I'm doing that for 10 bucks a month over on the Patreon as well. And while you're here, if you could like, subscribe, that really helps us out if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to it on podcast, a little rating and review goes a long way for us there. All right, Blake, you ready for some have-nots? I can't wait. Let's get to biz. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're starting with my hometown oh. Leafs and John Tavares. Uh, Tavares is somebody that we have talked about a little bit recently, and it's not gotten better. Uh, zero points his last five. Actually, I'm sure it goes back further than that. I don't yeah. really want to look it up, but I guess now that I've <laughs> said it out loud, I probably should. Uh, yeah, it goes back a lot longer than that, unfortunately. It's an eight-game pointless streak. Uh, I guess that's including the game that's ongoing currently, but... It's been a long time uh, for Tavares since he scored a point, suffice it to say. It's been a little bit weird uh, and hard to figure out exactly what's going on. There have been multiple people, including myself, who noted that Tavares does not look the way that he once looked earlier in the season out there, like looks actively slow, um, probably needs a break, needs that uh, all-star break coming up to uh, maybe rejuvenate the legs a little bit. That being said, 58th in shots per 60, 60th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 over the last five games. The all-nice numbers are actually worse. 112th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 129th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. The Leafs have not been good of late, and they've tried like really moving the lines around, and that was a disaster, and they've kind of gone back to what's been working, and so I'm not really sure where this is all going to end up. On the season, like Tavares' numbers are still stellar. 15th in shots per 60, 5th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 18th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 10th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Like underneath, this really looks like a player that you should absolutely be buying low on. But can we really get that far into it with John Tavares? Um, yeah, it is like anecdotal, and obviously I'd say to not trust the eye test, but if there's some potential worry about a player, you know, either dealing with an underlying issue that they're playing through, or, yeah, I mean, he's not the youngest player in the league anymore by any stretch. Uh, maybe he's starting to slow down, especially in the back half of these seasons. Is there any kind of qualm towards calling this guy a buy low, which is something we might normally do with these underlying numbers? No. I don't think so. I, I've called JT a buy low for, I, I had him on my buy low show a month ago. And then I talked about him again, two weeks ago because he's been stinky that long. So, um, you know, shout out to you, JT, but yeah, an injury would make sense of playing through an injury, right? Like there's ups and downs through the season, but he, this is a definite Valley for this guy. Like, um, but all signs point to him getting it together, right? Like at five on five, everything is is literally, you know, to historic value. Shots and goal per 60, right in line. Individual scoring chances for a little bit lower than last year, but still elite, right? It's his shooting percentage. It's his on-ice shooting percentage. Um, and his IPP is a little low as well. So I really do believe those things are going to come back. He's still shooting, right? This guy, like in his last game against the Canucks, six shots on goal. He was plus two. He played 20 minutes. Like, I mean, if he's injured, like, you know, this guy's got the pain tolerance of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> My wife, when she gave birth, I don't know what's happening, but, you know, uh, 20 minutes for an injured player, like, that that does, it kind of goes in the face of it. Doesn't mean he's not injured, but, like, um, I, I just, I, I'm not worried about the player. I'm concerned, and it's annoying, right? But his deployment is insane. He's on an amazing power play. Like you said, the Leafs have not been playing well, and that factors into it as well, right? Like the only guy really going is, I mean, Matthews and, and Marner are doing the thing. Ah, Nylander too. All right, well, we need, <laughs> you know, JT's a part of that. He's He's been he's been kind of missing in action, but I think it's coming, and we just got to be patient. I did buy low on JT. I talked about this on, on my last pod, but I made a trade in a keeper league. I traded a first-round pick for um it's a keep three i traded a first round pick for jt and nazim kadri which i thought was a steal for me like an insane steal so i'm happy about that but yeah of course he's still doing nothing but i i, I trust the player and i think we're gonna have a, a better second half fair enough 
Right, let's keep rolling, and we can talk about both of our streamers from this past week here, Blake, because they have not been good. Dustin Mercer, Alexis Lafreniere. So Lafreniere is playing as we record here. It is past the midpoint of the second, and the Rangers are being shut out at the moment. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about exactly how that's ending up a little bit later on, but Mercer has been getting lots of minutes just the way I said he would. And the reason that I was kind of interested in him in the first place, averaging over 19 minutes a night through the last five games, but unfortunately he's parlayed that into exactly one assist mm -hmm. and Lafreniere, not much better. One goal in his last five games, averaging 17 and a half minutes a night. Uh, Lafreniere definitely better underlying numbers as you might expect playing with Panarin and those guys Mercer kind of playing up the lineup due to injuries throughout the lineup there in New Jersey and his underlying numbers have been just atrocious through this stretch so overall uh, I think I know who you'll say like as a rest of season here Blake but is there any reason like I'm thinking about Lafreniere in Cupful, and he's kind of towards the bottom end of my roster. I've got a couple of streaming spots, and Lafreniere was one I picked up as a streaming spot a little while ago, and now I'm starting to think about dropping him because of this last stretch. Do you think I should be hanging on to Lafreniere, or should I be dropping him? You know, it's not often that Nate comes to me for advice, so I'm going <laughs> to take this very seriously. Nate, I would not be dropping Alexis Lafreniere uh, this upcoming week. Obviously, the Rangers have a, a decent schedule, so you're probably holding on to him this week unless he just stinks the first couple games, and then you're like, whatever, right? But, yeah, he's definitely not a must-hold, that's for sure. I mean, 14-team, I like a couple, I think he should be rostered, but 12-team, yeah, he's absolutely on the bubble. I think you could drop him for somebody better. But that said, like, things are trending the right direction, right? He's in a great spot. He's just doing nothing with it. But I mean, the, the underlying metrics are great and they have been on the season. Like this guy's in the, you know, he's in the midst of a, you know, quote unquote breakout season, if you can call a 47 point uh, pace, a breakout season. But um, I do trust the player and I trust the metrics, but of course it's been a cold streak. Like, you know, if this was last week, this guy was popping the hell off. Right. And now he's, he's kind of gone cold and, and that makes sense for a young player, but you know, he's with Panarin, he's with Trocek, and he's on that second power play. He's getting 17 minutes, 17 and a half. I think that's enough that you should probably be rostering this guy. But man, has this been frustrating? And then Dawson Mercer. Oh, my God. Like, I don't want to wait till I can drop Dawson Mercer, all right, immediately <laughs> because, geez, uh, yeah. what an elite segue right there. But that's um, perfect. Yeah, this guy, he needs a ton of deployment to be relevant at this point in his career. I think it's a great player. And in real life, he's a good player. But for fantasy, it's just not someone I'm interested in at all, right? Unless it's, you know, with Timo Meyer back too, like, you know, Mercer is even, he's, he's down the lineup a little bit more. It's just, it's just not a player I'm interested in. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't get scoring chances. So, you know, you're relying on a hot streak here to roster that man. And I don't like that. So there you go. Yeah, definitely agree on Mercer. He's absolutely droppable at this point. And I apologize for that call. Uh, clearly that didn't work out for me either. Uh, Lafreniere is an interesting case. Like if you told me that these were going to be his underlying numbers at this point in the season, I would say he would have been like the steal of drafts. Uh, but he's rocking just a 9.4% shooting percentage yep. and 8.5% on ice shooting percentage on the season, which is kind of nuts in my opinion, yeah, especially considering who he's been playing with, right? Um, yeah, for him to be that inefficient with that good of uh, line mates is pretty wild, especially since he's actually been like a relatively good converter. Like his first two seasons in the league, he shot over 17%. Last year, just below 12%. And now this year, 9.4% while playing consistently with Panarin, generating way more opportunities, like almost double the amount of opportunities in a lot of these metrics, yeah. um, which is wild. And so... Yeah, it really just leaves you in a tough place. Like, uh, it's the first two seasons of his career where he shot really high uh, percentages, just a total aberration. Like, that's a huge sample size, though. It's 1,800 yep. minutes, almost 1,900 minutes of sample size. Uh, and for that to just be a complete aberration. And now he's, now since then, he's done another 18, 1,900 minute sample size. And in that sample, he's shooting like 11%. So it's really hard to get a grasp on what Lafreniere is exactly at this point um but yeah i i'm still interested uh i'm not sure that i'm considering him a must roster definitely like the 
power play one that would really set him over the top is not there at the moment i would kind of assume that he is like next in line there so maybe you're thinking about that contingent upside and wanting to roster him just in case in some deeper leagues like kakuffle is but yeah it is definitely a tough guy to roster when you start to break it down and you're starting to think about yeah one goal in his last five games maybe he gets something here tonight and he uh, makes my decision a little easier but it's not been easy to hang on over the last little bit that's for sure all right, Brock Nelson is next up on the list. Your favorite grumpy man in the entire NHL, Blake. He's got one goal in his last five games. I did see he did collect an assist in this game against the uh, against the Stars. Rather, he plays for the Islanders in the game tonight. So at least he's doing something out there. The underlying stats haven't been bad. 122nd in shots per 60, 41st in individual scoring chances for per 60, 48th in Corsi for per 60, 38th in scoring chances for per 60 so those have still been there and honestly like on the season 33rd in shots for 60 and ninth in individual scoring yeah. chances four per 60 he's been terrific in the underlying metrics on the season what's your thoughts on brock nelson uh are we just seeing a little bit of a regression swing here and you expect it to come back or do you think this is indicative of something more um yeah i i think that this is just a little blip for him right but i mean the islanders they just they just punted their coach lane lambert he's gone we got patrick Waugh in here what the what oh my lord so i don't know um it, obviously i think some of his performance has to do with the team performance as well i think they were not responding to what lane lambert was doing there their systems were out of whack i don't know um but that said a guy that gets you know 17 minutes and 22 seconds average time on ice that is ninth overall in the league and in individual scoring chances for like he's gonna get it together all right like it's i'm not concerned at all about brock nelson i am concerned though if i get out of an elevator and brock nelson is there and he makes that face you know that flat lipped face like just you know and then i mean you can't see you have to go to youtube to see that all right but yeah i don't know he's he's got the elevator face there nate you know what i'm talking about I do know what I, what you're talking about there. You've uh, waxed poetic about your uh, love for Brock Nelson's face at various times throughout this podcast. So. Yeah, you, you know what? He's he's a good person, but uh, yeah. Um, but to, to be honest, I'm not concerned about this guy at all. 66 point pace. This is this is I think his floor really. Like, I think he should be good for 65 points as a floor. So anything on top of that, it's all icing, right? And I do think that he'll probably get the new coach bump. Right. I saw of uh, some footage of Patrick Waugh running a practice. Have you seen that, Nate? Like, yeah, he, he was just barking at him like Patrick Waugh is a beauty. I'm a big fan of that guy. And I don't know what kind of coach he is. I know he's had some success at, you know, lower levels here. So um, and he seems like a player's coach. So I think, you know, if he can get the room, these guys will run through a wall for him. And we could see a nice little resurgence for the Islanders and Brock Nelson in particular. All right, you heard it here first. Yeah, I do agree, honestly, that this does feel like a floor 66-point pace. The underlying metrics have been terrific all year. It will be interesting. You have to wonder exactly what kind of system Wawa will implement. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've talked about it. Uh, a lot of people still think that the Islanders are some bastion of defensive play, and they've not been that at any point under Lane Lambert over the last couple of years. They've adopted a really like kind of run-and-gun style a bit more, at least by the numbers. That's the way it's uh, born out even if it was unintentionally uh, they haven't played defense but they played a lot more offense they just hadn't had a lot of converters uh, but Brock Nelson is one of them one of those guys who can convert at a really good rate see that evidenced in the 37 goal pace so far I do really like Brock Nelson I do kind of view this point as a floor and I do expect him to rebound quite handsomely from this point onwards we keep moving on. Tyler Toffoli is one that keeps coming up as of late. He's got just one goal in his last five here, averaging 17 minutes a night through that stretch. 152nd in shots per 60, 195th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 92nd in Corsi, 4 per 60, 180th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Not been a good stretch. He had that crazy hot streak earlier in the season and is still on pace for 32 goals, 56 points. On the season, like still, the on-ice numbers are terrific here. Eighth in Corsi 4 per 60 and 18th in scoring chances 4 per 60. But it does kind of seem like he was riding Jack Hughes' coattails a little bit to get to those numbers. So what do we think of Toffoli in the interim while Hughes is out? And like, can you honestly continue to roster this guy while Hughes is out? Like, 
at the moment, he's like a black hole in your lineup. And you just try to get out, see if you can trade him around your league, see if you can get whatever you can. What's the what's the move with the Foley, Blake? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be trading him because it'd be a trade low. And I just, I'd rather hold on until things go back up, right? Um, I don't like trading low unless you can somehow swing some ridiculous deal for another player that's maybe underperforming what you feel happier about. But yeah, this is a guy, like you said, Nate, clearly missing Jack Hughes, right? Like, um, you know, he's a 31-year-old guy. He is kind of a supplementary player, in my opinion. But the metrics for Toffoli over the years, um, especially the last couple of years, have been great. Like, this is a guy that, you know, yearly hits over, you know, 10 shots and goal per 60 at 5-on-5. Five five. That's that's what we want, right? But this year, I mean, he's, he's only at 8.8, and his individual scoring chances have gone down as well. So he's not shooting as much. He's not getting as many scoring chances at 5-on-5, five five, right? And then his on-ice shooting percentage is reasonable, so that's not crazy, but... Yeah, it, it's a bit concerning, right? The Devils in general. Like, I feel like, I don't know, Lindy Ruff, it, it, they might be a little bit on the bubble. Like, I don't know. If they kind of keep sort of treading water the way they are, I can see a coaching change there, right? Because it just hasn't gone well. And obviously, they've been decimated with injuries, right? Losing Jack Hughes, like, this guy was was going off at the beginning of the season. He looked great. The team was flying. Um, but it's, it's been rough without him. Right. And, and we're going to talk about another devil here, but it's, it's just, <laughs> it's not an exciting team to watch, is it? And the goaltending is freaking terrible. So I don't know, long story short, I think you got to hold on to Foley. Um, you can't drop him at this point, but I don't know. Talk to us next week because if he goes through another stretch where it's just like donuts, I mean, Oh, that's, you got to start thinking about it, right? We can't get too attached to guys and Tyler to is, He's not an elite player, right? Like this guy's on uh what is he on a 56 point pace? I I last season he got 73 points with Calgary, which is great. Oh god, I, I really do feel like that's ceiling though. But I I do think it should be somewhere in the middle. So 56 point pace, no. I think 65 point pace is probably close to where Toffoli is, but you know, he's gonna need to get going here. And obviously Jack Hughes coming back would be a good thing for him. Yeah. Uh one thing that I've been focusing on a little bit more of this here is trying to avoid dead spots on my roster and trying to avoid hanging on to players too long. Like I thought about this earlier in the season. Nick Ehlers is a really good example of this where people are like, uh, look at what Ehlers did. I was right to hang on to him for all those weeks. And honestly, I'm not entirely sure that that is right to hang on to the player for that long when they're actively just destroying your lineup every single week. And literally it might be just as good if you didn't have a player in your lineup that week. So I'm a little bit of two minds uh, when it comes to guys like this, who it does really seem like the Foley needs Hughes. Uh, it doesn't seem like he works with any of the other lines that have been set up there. He needs Hughes to really pop off in this current iteration of what the Devils are. And so how long can you hang on to a guy like that who doesn't seem to be able to produce outside of that one specific scenario? And so that's just something I'm thinking about. I don't know that I would drop to Foley. I don't know if I'd have the stones to drop to Foley, but in a 12-team league, um, I did drop Ehlers early in the year when he was getting absolutely no ice time. And I'm like not mad about it. I'm crushing that league, and I was able to pick up other players and find other long-term holds uh, through the waiver wire. Like... I, I think there's a real scenario here in which you have to ask yourself, what is the opportunity cost of hanging on to a player who's doing absolutely nothing for you and doesn't have an immediate path back to giving you more than what they're currently doing? So I'm not saying that you have to drop to Foley, but I am saying that you can think about it and I would not fault you for it in some specific circumstances. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Luke Hughes for a second. Um, yeah. yeah, one goal, his last five, averaging over 23 minutes a night. Obviously, big injuries uh, to the Devils on their blue line. They've got lots of stuff going on there right now for sure. Um, the on-ice numbers are still pretty solid. 46th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 59th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's actually pretty impressive to me. Like Those aren't great numbers, but they're better than I thought Luke Hughes would get uh, skating over 23 minutes a night against top competition in his rookie season. So that part's good. The bad part is his offensive numbers have really taken a dip since shouldering those kind of minutes. 114th in shots per 60 and 79th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season now, pacing for 15 goals, 45 points. The 15 goals propped up by a 12.1% shooting percentage. That's not going to maintain. And so I am kind of in this range where I feel like this is what I expect from Luke Hughes, at least until Jack Hughes gets back and things start to get back to normal in the 
the New Jersey landscape. So overall, I think Hughes is like a 45-point defenseman who gives you nothing peripherally, and I'm wondering if he's really a guy that I got to be hanging on to in my points leagues. What do you think, Blake? Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I really liked your point on Toffoli there, and I think Luke Hughes is in that camp as well. You know, it's like if you dropped Luke Hughes, it wouldn't be a whiff, right? It, like we have to think about our teams holistically, right? Like is it – I don't care if someone else picks up that player, but like it doesn't make my team better. Like uh, – and I was thinking too when you are talking on Toffoli, like if you have no streaming spots, like we need to stream to win leagues, right? And if Toffoli is just taking up space on your roster and he's not doing anything, kick his ass to the curb, right? And Luke Hughes might be this in the same boat here. Right. So I, I really like that point that you made um, as far as Luke Hughes goes. Like, I, I think he's doing what, what I expected of him, like a 45 point pace. That's really nice. One of the problems is I think he bumped up everybody's expectations, right. By really performing. He like, you know, the New Jersey devils power play was crazy uh, good early on. Right. Then Dougie Hamilton goes out. So now Luke Hughes is the man he's running power play one, but I think we're also seeing what Luke Hughes floor can look like. And his floor looks like nothing like <laughs> he'll skate for 25 minutes. Nothing. He's doing Jack squat. Right. So that's really rough when you have a player like that on your team and he's doing nothing uh, because he does have some, like he doesn't Luke Hughes. Isn't the name Jack Hughes, Quinn Hughes. Those are the names, but we're like, yeah, Luke Hughes too. Right. No. Um, so I do think that Luke Hughes could be a drop if you need that spot for a streamer spot. I don't think it's a whiff by any means, right? Like he's not giving you really any perifs. 11 hits on the season, Luke Hughes, buddy. He's, he's actively dodging hits. All right. What? No, he's a big boy too. Geez, six, yeah. two, get in there, man. Put a shoulder into somebody. What the hell are you doing? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said to a shooting percentage, 12, 12%, that's going to go down. Right. Um, he could get double digit goals this year. I, I think 40 to 45 pay, uh, points is where Luke Hughes is going to live this year. And if that's valuable to you, then keep him on your roster. But I wouldn't value him any higher than that. And that's unfortunate because, he did kind of get us excited at the beginning of the season with that power play deployment and, and what he was able to do. Yep. All right. Well, if we didn't get to a player that you wanted to hear about, make sure you join me tomorrow, Monday for 8 p.m. Eastern live stream where I go over puzzling players. If you want to hear a specific player talked about, then you need to be in the Apples and Geos Discord server. As I mentioned before, click the link, join the Apples and Geos Discord server somewhere tomorrow in the early afternoon. I'll be sending out a ping for everybody to hit me with their puzzling players. And then the ones that are the most requested will be talked about on the show show or you can just join live on youtube 8 p.m eastern and you can ask your questions in the comments and i usually get to pretty much all of those in a night so definitely join me for that one if you got players that you're trying to figure out what to do with on your roster all right, we're moving on to Under the Hood, where I shout out a player who's been doing some things under the hood that are noteworthy, and that player is going to be Cam Atkinson. We did talk about him and his relationship to Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee and all three of them really propping each other up over the last little bit. Atkinson, in particular, has four goals, eight points in his last five games, averaging about 17 and a half minutes a night. Underlying stats are terrific, 18th in shots per 60, 19th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Love to see stuff like that. And even going back, like if you go back, uh, nine games is the next sample that I took, and 16th in shots per 60, 28th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. This is a guy who actually got scratched by Tortorella, so that is still a possibility for a guy like Atkinson. Uh, but on on the season, like he's pacing for the best shots per 60 of his past three years, best individual scoring chances four per 60 of the past four years, pacing for a career high in on ice Corsi four per 60. Really, it's been the 8.5% shooting percentage and the 8.2% on ice shooting percentage that's been holding him down. So really, I think that this little bit of a hot streak is just the first part of some positive regression that's coming his way. And on the season, he's on a 21 goal, 46 point pace. I think he should be pacing for even higher than that kind of across the board so i think like yeah 30 goal 55 point pace well within the range for cam atkinson and who knows he could stay hot for a while and really give you something here so i just wanted to shout out cam atkinson playing really well at the moment and getting minutes as a result obviously you know in terms of long term you expect that he'll get 
the Tortorella treatment again at some point throughout the season and get moved down or given less minutes. But at the moment, I think Atkinson is a really nice find. And whenever he's getting these kind of um, moments where he's getting 17 plus minutes and playing with good offensive players, that's when I want to be in on a guy like Atkinson. Uh, Yeah, if he ever gets up to the top power play, you know, if Farabee falls out of favor and Atkinson gets on top power play instead, then that's another reason to go jump on Atkinson. I just wanted to bring him up as somebody that I think you should be monitoring more closely than you probably are at the moment. What do you think, Blake? Do you got anything on Atkinson for me or am I on my own? On <laughs> No, yeah. You know what? One thing I love is when Nate says something and I'm already thinking it, then I'm like, then I feel good about myself. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on the right path, right? So, yeah, I, I love it. I agree with everything he said. But, yeah, it's going to be deployment is king with Atkinson. And obviously we know what Torts does there. And I have this s- suspicion about towards that second half of the season. He's just going to play the young guys. He's going to sit guys like Atkinson. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think they're really committed to, you know, the quote unquote rebuild there. Um, regardless of what's happening on the ice, they want these young guys to get in and get minutes. So we'll see. But yeah, I love the the spotlight here on Atkinson. Yeah, this is a player that's that has some headroom, right? So if he's continuing to get 17 minutes a night, get him on your team ASAP. Absolutely. All right, Blake, why don't you kick us off with your move of the week? Totes McGoats. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just thinking of that, like James Earl Jones. Have you yeah, ever seen that that's picture? what I was thinking. Totes McGoats. Um, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to say it like that from now on. Anyways, my move of the week, it wasn't uh, like my matchups were, you know, I had a bunch of games played. So I was, and my guys performed. So I didn't have to do a lot of strategy this week. But one thing I did do in a pretty competitive league is I picked up Sean Monahan. Oh, yeah. And it felt amazing. Um, yeah, he just cooked all week long, as we talked about. I mean, to me, this is a, you know, somewhat lucky week, right? His luck metrics were, were popping off. But uh, it's he's clearly getting opportunity and deployment. And those are two of the three things that I look for when I'm valuing players. So um, it just gave me confidence to, to roster him. But the moral of the story is... We need players like this on our team, right? Boring yet consistent players on bad teams, right? In particular, like guys like, you know, Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, who got appointed, you know, in his last game. Like, um, you know, it, it's just those are players that I, I don't want to shy away from, right? So, um, like I said, it wasn't a big strategy play for me this week, but in my closest match, I, I wasn't able to make up games due to injuries. So I just decided to focus on next week as well. So this is kind of an aside as well. I, I just added a Vegas player and a Kings player to set myself up for next week in that league. But yeah, don't don't shy away from these players. And you know, if you think you're going to lose the match, just take the L and figure it out next week. Fair enough. All right, for myself, uh, I had kind of an interesting streaming week. I won... Uh, the previous week in Kakuffle and was able to set myself up for this week pretty nicely ahead of time with ads from the previous week. And so I came to today, Sunday, and I still had two ads left for the week in Kakuffle. And so uh, after looking at it, after looking at what I had on here, I was ahead in the matchup by a fair bit. Felt pretty comfortable, but like not so comfortable that you know if everybody popped off on his team and everybody on my team went pretty silent that you know I. I wasn't feeling 100% comfortable. I was feeling pretty comfortable, not 100% comfortable. What I decided to do in the end was I replaced Matthias Ekholm with Jake Wallman, who they both kind of have a similar schedule for me next week, but Wallman was playing today. So I got his points for today. He got me 2.5 couple points, three shots, a couple blocks, um, which was enough for this particular outing, but it gets me pretty much the same comparable player uh, in this setup for next week in my mind. So I decided to use one to do that, just get me the extra points for today, but give me a similar setup for next week. And then I also used one to replace Michael Bunting, who was playing today, with Fabian Zetterland, who's playing the Monday-Tuesday back-to-back to open the week next week. Obviously, a couple pretty deep. I'm in Tier 3, uh, so there's not a lot of terrific streaming options, but Fabian Zetterland was about the best one with the Monday-Tuesday back-to-back to open the week. So I kind of took one i guess you could say i took one uh one player playing today off my roster added another one with the wallman move uh so kind of did a swap there where i 
ended up with the same amount of players playing today, but also at the same time was able to set myself up better for next week. And so that's how I decided to use my ads. You do sometimes have to get creative. I know a lot of people, when they look at a situation like this, they're like, ah, I'm sitting pretty for this week. I don't want to take anybody out because they're playing for me today. Uh, so I guess I'm just done and I'm not going to use my ads. There's almost always a way that you can do something better, even if it's just to get yourself a few more points for this week. Uh, if it's just to set yourself up better for next week and take a few points off this week, whatever the case may be, there's very, very rarely a situation in which it gives you absolutely no benefit to make uh, all of your moves for a single week. So definitely check those out. Um, just giving that as an example of a situation where I did have moves and there wasn't a kind of clearly obvious solution to getting those moves used in a way that will actually benefit me for the upcoming week. So just an example for the people and Blake, we have to move on and talk about the head-to-head -head streamer deathmatch. Um, yeah, we've got <laughs> Dustin Mercer versus Alexis Lafreniere. This is still a TBD at this point. Uh, you've got Lafreniere playing at the moment. It's the end of the second. He has 1.5 cacuffle points, uh, which brings him up to 4.75 on the week. Oh, and God. Dawson Mercer did get one assist this week, so he's at 7.5. Uh, so I am winning at the moment, but basically if Lafreniere gets a point at any point in the third period or beyond, then you will win the matchup. I guess the people will probably know uh, as they're listening to this. I'll, I'll tweet it out. Went. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll definitely tweet it out. Uh, but this tweet it out if you win. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, you know, no, that's I, I'm not even gonna look at it again. But yeah, this isn't the death match, this is the nap match. What are yeah. they doing for God's sake? Oh, not our best showing. No, but, I mean, we, we had, had a good a, thought process, yeah. Yeah, we we've actually kind of I was just looking back at the previous weeks. So we had a couple of weeks, week ten and week eleven, we both had pretty solid streamers those two weeks. Then we had terrible weeks with Quentin Byfield and Josh Norris. Then we had back to back really solid weeks again. And now this week we're uh, back to absolute snoozers. So Garbage. it seems like we're kind of on this two on one off uh, rotation here. So people should definitely listen to our picks for this week and the following week, and then maybe they want to take the week after with a grain of salt so right, i think you've that's cracked the, uh, you cracked the yeah, code crack the code maybe maybe i'll just evaluate my first pick for that week that looks like the off week and i'll just throw that one in the garbage and go with the next guy maybe that's right. the that's the strategy but either way not our best showing but uh hopefully we'll be back this week i've got schmaltz who's obviously missing the game uh, on Monday, and you got Sam Bennett, so you're getting the leg up from the start, which I think you need yeah. at this point. Like, uh, if if uh, Mercer does hold on, it'll be seven seven. I'll have tied things up after I spotted you a huge early lead out of the goodness of my heart. So, uh, I think this might be something that you just kind of need. You need this win to get back on track, eh, Blake? Just so damn smug. Oh my god, and it just <laughs> makes me like you even more, Nate. Oh man, I gotta get you in my life. All right, you're too far away. You're across Canada. We need to get closer. All right, we need to be be best friends in real life. All right. Well, that's we are best friends, but you know, in proximity. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's move. On. <laughs> I feel you, buddy. I feel you. Well, yeah. that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy, hockey, and best friendship today. All of the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Statric, which is a terrific free resource. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying music for this podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. That's it, folks. Much love.